You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, a credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today, I've got a special guest with me. It's Ben Mahich of SB Nation's Wizard site, Bullets Forever, as well as the co-host of Locked on Wizard. And of course, we'll be talking about Bradley Beal. He seems to be on every Heat fan's minds of lately. But first, Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me on. I think this is the start of kind of a podcast circuit that I'll be doing with regards to Bradley Beal and where he might end up. So I'm, I'm happy to talk Heat basketball. I think that's an option for him. So um, I'm, I'm definitely pumped about it. It feels like there's 29 other teams that would probably want Bradley Beal on their roster. Yeah, I think that's true. But the Heat are one of the few that I think can actually put together an interesting package. So I'm, I'm pumped to get into it to see if we can maybe strike a deal here. Okay, I, I'm I'm curious to hear what you have in mind, because honestly, I, I don't have much hope of that working out. But I, I kind of wanted to loop into that a little bit later. But first and foremost, I just wanted to talk about the Wizards, because as of today, they are a league worst three and of 11, uh, three and 11, excuse me. I was high on them to start the season. I really thought they might compete for a, a lower seed in the playoffs. It seems almost impossible that they could bounce back and, and reach the, the postseason by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, acquiring Russell Westbrook, you know, the, the re-signing Davis Bertans, uh, the rookie pick, Denny Avija, Avdija, is that how you pronounce that? It's Avdia. Avdia. Okay. Denny Avdia. Yeah. I, I thought that they had a great team put together with some good shooting, some nice versatility there. Westbrook, you know, inefficient uh, as he is, has, has been for several years, but I really like their chances. And then between injuries, of course, losing Thomas Bright in a game against Miami, then between COVID issues and everything else that's impacted the team now three and 11, what's your take on what's gone wrong with the wizards this season? I think my take will be a quote from the late great Flip Saunders who once said while he coached the Wizards, don't think it can't get any worse because it can. And that's <laughs> the story of the Wizards. I mean, you mentioned it right when you think, all right, the worst is over. They're going to get over the hump. You mentioned the Thomas Bryant ACL tear, which already set the team back and, and hindered their chances at making the playoffs. And you mentioned the COVID thing. They hadn't played in 11 days. Some of their main rotation players, Rui Hachimura, Davis Bertans, Denny Avdia, Troy Brown, Ish Smith, all these players who were getting heavy minutes throughout the season, all out of the out of the lineup due to due to proto, COVID protocol. And now you mentioned the the Russell Westbrook struggles. I mean, he's dealing with a quad injury that he's played through all season long. And now there's some talk about whether this is a sort of um, decline from him or whether he's struggling with his injury. And people are kind of speculating as to what caused such a significant drop off in such a short amount of time. So there's a perfect con concoction of, of a disastrous season for the Wizards here. And they're dealing with sort of an insurmountable uh, circumstances here with the Thomas Bryant injury with Russell Westbrook struggling and obviously can't control the COVID crisis and they've dealt with that accordingly. So they have five players out of the rotation, I think currently. So uh, that three and 11, it's hard. It's hard to see a situation in which uh, the result is them climbing out of this hole and, and making the playoffs. So w when is the last game that they actually played? I know they were out for quite some time. They played a game recently, however. Yeah, they played a game recently. They signed Alex Len and Jordan Bell to kind of right. give them the eight players that they need to play a basketball game. But when you watch the team play, it's pretty clear that they're a shell of themselves. It's kind of negligent on the league's part, to be honest with you, to kind of force them to sign players that they really have no desire to sign just for the sake of playing basketball. But I guess uh, the extraordinary circumstances lend themselves to the situation and the Wizards are 
trying to deal with that with the best they can. And, and they're, and, and they're at three and 11, but truth be told, it's not like this team is winning basketball games, even when they were healthy. So it's hard to kind of decipher whether this is a product of the coronavirus season, or if this is just what the wizards are. And I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I got to say the wizard seems like probably the least popular team around the league right now. I, at least reading the timeline on Twitter, I, I think there isn't a fan base that doesn't despise the wizards right now. Cause it feels like you guys are, are carrying COVID and just, you know, spreading it around the league. I know that's unfair and probably not completely accurate, but at least from the Heat fans, everybody's just pointing to that last game that they played on January 9th against the Wizards, and then they were shorthanded, actually forced to postpone a game the following day against the Boston Celtics. And then from that point forward, Jimmy Butler, Avery Bradley, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, half the Heat's roster forced into health and safety protocols. Uh, Jimmy still has not played at any point in since then. So that's, we're talking about, as of recording this, almost 20 days since he's last played for the Heat. And, and that's... Again, a lot of people are focusing their hate on on Washington right now. It's a pretty tough spot for you to be in. Yeah, it's a tough spot, and it's one that I don't really see them climbing out of. You mentioned the sort of hate the Washington Wizards have gotten, but really they followed the protocol as best they could. They played four straight teams that had someone test positive, so that seemed like – honestly, if you're going to point the finger – at anybody it's going to be the nba because the wizards they played against the sixers who had seth curry test positive then they played i believe against the suns who had someone test positive so the wizards were constantly in contact with people and players who had positive tests yet the nba still permitted them to play games and now it resulted in a situation where i believe it was seven players on, on their roster that tested positive that's half the team now the Wizards are where they're at because of that. So I don't I don't know if the Wizards are necessarily to blame. I think if you're going to blame anyone, it's probably the NBA. No, I, I, I'm agreeing. Agree 100% with that because it just feels like, you know, the, the, everything we've heard from players is that these protocols change pretty frequently. And, you know, you're trying to adjust on the fly. And it's not like you can just put COVID on pause and say, okay, let me get the time necessary to figure this out. And of course, with the schedule being as compressed as it is and playing games and traveling, you're almost always at risk. So it's just, it feels unfair, uh, but you know, it's just the view from fans nowadays. And of course that's always fairly myopic, but it's, it's just strange to see how, the team has been associated with like these carriers of COVID as if it was their choice to kind of spread it around the league when in fact they might be struggling more as a result than any other team in the league. But uh, let's, let's shift the talk a little bit here because uh, one of the, one of the players uh, on Washington's roster, who's been absolutely phenomenal uh, other than Bradley Beal, the all-star, I feel like heat fans have long wanted him to be a part of their heat roster. And somehow even before this season, he was already coveted greatly from Heat fans, and he somehow turned into an even better player this year. I know that on a recent podcast that you had with Drew Hanlon, who I've talked to before uh, regarding Kelly Oubre, but he's also a well-known trainer. If you haven't heard that episode, make sure to go check out Locked on Wizards because it's a great kind of rundown of, of what Bradley has done to get even better over the course of his career. He's been working with Drew since I believe it was high school. You had mentioned in the podcast. So I was a little surprised to know that their relationship goes that far back, but you thought he's actually a candidate for most improved player, which is pretty phenomenal considering he was an all-star last season and he's somehow taken, I'm not sure if quite an MVP style leap, but he's playing pretty well. You mentioned, and this is your, your opinion that he is among the best guards in the league right now. I think that's pretty close. I think you have a strong argument that Beal has somehow turned into an even better player this year than he has been before. What's been the secret to his success? 
I mean, just all the work he's put on off the court, you know, it translates directly to the way he plays. Um, he's, I think, amongst the most efficient players in the NBA from mid-range. It's unheard of nowadays. And his efficiency from mid-range is on par with Kevin Durant. I mean, that's elite level. So you have players who are constantly running Bradley Beal off the three-point line, knowing that he's an elite three-point shooter. So what does he do to his game? He adds an elite level uh, mid-range game. And then when, he, when he's run off the, the uh, sort of, Away from the painted area, what does he do? He gets to the basket. His ball handling is amongst the best in the league. You have to remember, when he came to the NBA from Florida, he was known as kind of a catch-and-shoot shooter. He was compared to Ray Allen, but he's really become an extraordinarily dynamic offensive player where he can take players off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. He can come off screens, off handoffs. I mean, there's really nothing he can't do with the basketball in his hands. And he's a damn good playmaker as well. You don't really get much of a chance to see that because he's playing with the likes of, with all due respect, Isak Bunga, Howell Neto, and Robin Lopez. But when he's on the court with competent talent, players who can elevate their games around Bill, his playmaking is, is, is apparent as well. So I think he's probably the best offensive player in the, in the league today, if not to probably top three. Um, it's, it, it's amazing to see the growth in his game year after year. He comes back with something to his game. And this year it was a mid-range jump shot. I mean, he's become unstoppable. It's a shame that it really hasn't translated to wins. There's, there's games where he scored 60 points this season in a loss. He was just coming off a 47-point game in a loss. So nothing he can do really is going to elevate this, this team to win. Um, scoring just merely isn't enough. I mean, honestly, there's not a player in the league you can – replaced with Bradley Beal and expect this Wizards team to win because they're just so talent deprived at this point. So um, we can talk about this a little later, but it really worries me. And, and it begs the question that at what point will he get frustrated enough where, you know, scoring 50, 60 points and, and it's resulting in losses. And there's only so much you know, a person can take. Yeah, well, that's a pretty good segue. We'll we'll talk about Bradley Beal, potential trades, uh, especially uh, the consideration that he might be uh, on Miami's radar. I'm here with Ben Mehich of Locked on Wizards, and you're listening to Locked on Heat. Ben, I bet you probably didn't know this, but can you guess how much people in Colorado bet on table tennis this past year? I have no idea. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, $63.5 million was used to bet on table tennis online. And that's why you should all be going to betonline.ag. It's the only place that has you covered for betting on the NFL, the NBA, or even table tennis. It's the one place that we trust as a network. And if you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. So again, there's NBA games, and you can always place bets on table tennis, a variety of different sports. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. If you're looking to make a little money, get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. More of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. I'm here with Ben Mahich, the co-host of Locked On Wizards. We're talking about the Wizards' unfortunate season, but more importantly, Bradley Peel, who is putting up incredible numbers. You had mentioned before that he is, in your opinion, one of the, if not the top offensive player in the league right now, maybe top three. Who are the others that kind of fill that same category for you, that same criteria as far as top offensive players? Durant, I, mean, I imagine, would be one of them. Right. I mean, Kevin Durant's always up there. Steph Curry, with the season he's having, Damian Lillard. Um, it's crazy that we're putting Bradley Beal in that category, but I think he, that's the sort of player he's become. 
Um, and, and I don't think these are sort of empty stats. He's been incredibly efficient. He's really doing all a player can. Like I said earlier, we can swap Beal with any of the players that we previously mentioned, a Lillard, uh, you know, Devin Booker, uh, uh, Kevin Durant. And I don't think the Wizards record would be that much different because I think, I just think they're that talent deprived. They're that injured. And there's only so much one player can do. And that's the situation that Bradley Beal finds himself in. So I, I was kind of thinking about that, even as you're mentioning all these incredible numbers he's put up. Is it the byproduct of such a depleted roster where he kind of just has the rock in his hand all the time? And so he has to kind of take advantage like most NBA players will. I mean, if you've got the ball in your hands as often as Beal does, you're going to shoot it. And and look, he's do- doing it as efficiently as possible. You mentioned the three-point shot's always been there, but the mid-range game, the, the ability to get to the rim, the diversity and versatility in his game has really you know exp- expanded quite a bit. Is he? Is it just a, a you know a result of him being the only competent offensive player on the team, or is he trying to? Is he putting up these numbers within the context of still trying to find ways to win as a team? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, it, it would be one thing if he was shooting for the sake of just taking shots and it was resulting in points and he was doing it inefficiently. And there's players around the league who do that who are kind of volume scorers uh, and it doesn't really translate. But Bradley Beal, like I said, is he's incredibly efficient. He tries to score within the flow of the offense and truth be told, he is the offense. I mean, he is the Washington Wizards. So when we talk about the Wizards, we really, we're really talking about Bradley Beal, at least at this point um, in terms of where they're at right now. Um, yeah, I can't take anything away from Bradley Beal. I don't think these numbers are empty in any way, shape, or form. He's trying to score within some semblance of, you know, offensive sets. They run a bunch of handoff plays and he's, he's getting triple teamed every single possession. Yeah. He's still scoring efficiently. So I think that's a marker of a player who is not only just a great scorer, but a great offensive player. Yeah, that's I was going to bring that up next. So I'm glad you mentioned it because it just feels like he's the obvious focus for any uh, other team as far as their defensive principles are concerned. You're going to try to limit what Beal can do, knowing that he is as good as he is. And somehow, despite being that focus, he's still trying to find ways to incorporate teammates and getting his own points as well. And it's just an incredible effort from him. It probably, you know, it's it's. I don't know how you feel about it, but even even from an outsider's perspective, as I listen to everybody talk about Bradley Peel, the only context is, you know, whether he's traded or how sad he looks on the sidelines and, you know, that he, we need to get him out of here. We need to save Bradley Peel. And we're kind of overlooking the fact that he's putting up these incredible numbers because that context just changes the perception there. But it is he, he deserves more shine than he's getting uh, for the incredible season he's having. An incredible career, quite honestly. Like, he's just... It's just so weird because the Wizards have not won pretty consistently in, I mean, a while, as you well know. And and Beal has been really, really good throughout that process. I mean, losing John Wall, all the various roster changes, the front office turnover. I mean, so much incompetence there. And none of it Beal's fault. Like, he, I mean, he had his mistakes. He was not a perfect player. He still is not. But he's done almost everything possible to find ways to win and continuously improve. And that kind of gets overlooked, again, because – while the rest of the team has been so largely incompetent. Yeah, and, and I think the other point that we failed to mention, just him from a personal standpoint, we talk about him in the same capacity as a Damian Lillard or Devin Booker or Kyrie Irving or any other great scorer in the league, yet he doesn't get the accolades. I mean, he was an all-NBA caliber player last year. He didn't mm. even make the all-star team. And at some point, it's like, okay, I'm not getting the recognition I need. Um, I'm 27 years old. He's 
just in the prime of his career. He's going to continue to get better. It's like, is the juice really worth the squeeze in Washington anymore? Like you mentioned, the, the continuous roster turnover. They just traded John Wall. They got Russell Westbrook back. Even though I was in favor of the trade at the time, it's sure. really backfired on Washington right now. Russell Westbrook looks like a shell of himself. So at some point, I think just as a person, Bradley Beal has to you know look at the team and say, all right, I'm 27. I mean, enough's enough. I, I need to make sure that I'm getting the most of my career and making the all-star teams and making the most money and having the chance to win a championship because those opportunities don't come around often. And for Washington, they haven't come around since the 1970s. So I think at some point uh, we're going to have to start discussing this trade, I think, situation in a more serious capacity. The Bullets won in 78, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay. Wes Unseld, uh, Kevin Lockery, former coach for the Miami Heat. So that was a good team there. But um, yeah, I, I mean – let's make that clear first and foremost, and you can confirm this Bradley Beal has at never at any point mentioned that he wants to be traded. In fact, has been pretty obvious about stating the other, the exact opposite that he wants to win in Washington. And he's been pretty consistent about saying that. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, and talking to Drew Hanlon yesterday, as you mentioned, he talked about how loyal Bradley Beal is, but as we know, again, um, you know, I think the time is ticking. He's, he's, probably going to be an all-star and if there is an all-star game I'm sure other players are going to be in his ear and that's going to have an influence on him and again I think he's going to have to look at the franchise in an objective sense and, and say that look I've done all I possibly could and I'm not sure there's a Wizards fan out there that would really fault him if and when he eventually does ask for a trade and at some point I think it'll be even out of his hands I think the Washington Wizards organization have to look at themselves and say like okay we're really kind of wasting this player's career at this point is it better to kind of accumulate assets and mm -hmm. rebuild because at this point just having him plus a bunch of sort of random players around him obviously isn't lending themselves to a winning record or any sort of competitive uh, nature with the team. So um, at, at some point, I, if, I feel as if it's an inevitability. At this point, Beal says he wants to stay in Washington, and I accept that. But I mean, we've seen the frustrations come, come to fruition and on the bench and the way he's demonstrative on the bench. And he's obviously frustrated with the losses. I mean, somebody asked him, are you frustrated with this team? And he said, is the sky, is, is the sky blue? <laughs> uh, I think that spoke volumes as well. So again, uh, I think he wants to win in Washington, but the reality is like, can he win in Washington? Like I, you know, it would be nice. Like, Hey Ben, do you want to be the GM of the Washington Wizards? Sure. Are you gonna, is it possible? Yeah. I don't know at this point, probably, probably not. So uh, there's, there's realism. I think at some point the reality has to kind of sink in Yeah, I don't think it has yet, but it seems inevitable that it will. What, what do you think is the next step for the team? Like what, what would you want them to do? Would you want them to tear down trade Bradley and, and start over and kind of just tank the rest of the season and, and, and try to accumulate as many assets as possible? Well, they're tanking whether or not they have Bradley Beal. And I sure. think that's, that's the sort of the problem here where they're keeping him um, under the guise of we're going to be competitive. Right. And the reality is they're just simply not. And they weren't also. And I, I know this is inevitability. They're going to use an excuse with the injuries and the COVID and whatnot. And I'm not saying that's not legitimate. There's some... That, that there's some validity to that, but the team wasn't competitive even when they were healthy. They were, they were one and eight, I believe, before all this COVID stuff happened and before Thomas Bryant got hurt. They re signed Bertans. That really hasn't panned out. So the Russell Westbrook trade obviously flopped really hard. Um, so, look, I, I appreciate Tommy Shepard for swinging for the fences with that Russell Westbrook trade. I think he did it in an effort to convince Bradley Beal to stay because mm -hmm. the upside with Westbrook was higher than it was with Wall because we saw with Wall and Beal that the ceiling was only so high. 
and they swung and, and, and look, they missed. So at some point, if I was Tommy Shepard, I would, I would start really collecting packages and see what the best deal that they can get for Bradley Beal. Because again, um, you have to make sure you're, you're getting the most out of your assets when the asset is hot, the highest, as opposed to doing what the Wizards have consistently done is wait until the last minute where the value isn't as high as it once was and then pull the trigger. So it's really important that the Wizards kind of take advantage of the situation when, when the situation has, is at its highest. So I've seen some kind of unverified reports there uh, that, you know, his, his extension that he signed this past offseason was signed with the, the hope or at least the kind of wink, wink promise that if he won, that he would stay in Washington, but if not, that he would try and do whatever possible and that the front office would work with him in the hope of, of getting him to the best spot possible uh, for him and, and a team that he wants to play with rather than just trading him somewhere where he's not going to, or, or were they, you know, is not going to win as much as he might like. Uh, do you get any sense that that might be a realistic possibility that the front office work with them that closely? Do they have that kind of connection as far as this new GM and, and Beal as a player? Yeah, I mean, Tommy Shepard has been with the Washington Wizards for almost two decades. He's he's known Beal since he was a teenager, obviously scouted him back in college, and they have a great relationship. So I think there's kind of an unwritten sort of understanding there where, um, they know that Bradley Beal wants to win and, and Tommy Shepard isn't ignorant to the fact that the Wizards aren't winning right now and he's done all he's could with the situation that he was dealt after Ernie Grunfeld was fired he didn't have much cap space did a great job acquiring Davis Bertans and he became you know one of the greatest uh, three-point shooters in the league today uh, it just hasn't been enough for them to win and um, I think Bradley Beal will, will realize that at some point and say that you know I've, I've done all I could and I appreciate you know your efforts but um, it's time for me to move on and, and nobody will fault him for that. And honestly, it'll, it's probably the healthiest thing to do at this point for both parties. Um, they've, they've had nine years together. None of them have resulted in the championship. They've had some good seasons, but none of it has been enough to truly become a contender. So at some point, uh, you know, it's insanity doing something over and over and expecting a different result and progressively getting worse and then still expecting a different result just doesn't, doesn't really comport with, the reality of the situation. That's funny you mentioned the insanity comment because I, I think Bradley Beal's wife made the same comment via Twitter. Right, is right. that yeah? Okay, so uh, obviously that's getting a lot of uh, attention around the, the league. But as is Bradley Beal, uh, potential suitors: the Philadelphia 76ers, Golden State Warriors, Denver Nuggets, New Orleans Pelicans, and of course your Miami Heat. I'm here with Ben Mahich of Locked On Wizards, and we'll talk about Miami as a potential destination. So stay here. In the meantime, if you're looking for a great treat. And let me tell you, Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. There are 18 amazing flavors, 12 classic flavors, six new ones, but all of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're all delicious, and they're healthy for you. They're great for health-conscious people. If you're looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, then Built Bars are for you because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for all sorts of diets. They've got all sorts of nutrients. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but best of all, best of all rather, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use a promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskElHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. And of course, do that for Locked On Wizards as well. I'm here with Ben Mahich of Locked On Wizards, and we're talking about Bradley Beal. We've been kind of teasing it throughout the show, but here we are. What everybody has wanted to hear, Bradley Beal to Miami. How likely is that to happen? It really depends on how... 
Pat Riley will approach this. We, we know that he's very much um, a part of that in, in the sort of realm of, of the GMs that want to hold on to the players that they drafted and, and see this through with them. And they've been reluctant to trade those players in the past. But I think with a player like Bradley Beal, he'll reconsider because you don't get really many opportunities to land a player like that. Um, the likelihood is really depends on, on Pat Riley's thinking here. If he's, if he's willing to trade a player like Tyler Hero, maybe even sweeten the deal by throwing a Duncan Robinson in there, I think that would, that would start the conversation. But without even including a player like Tyler Hero, it's going to be – I think Tommy Shepard would say, you know, I appreciate the phone call, but you know, don't call back unless you're going <laughs> to offer Tyler Hero. It's, it's interesting to hear that perspective from somebody, again, unfortunately, on the outsider you know, side of things because – from from somebody who's followed the team as much as I have, as long as I have, I can tell you, it doesn't matter if you got drafted by Riley or not. He will trade your ass in a second if it's for a superstar. I mean, look, none other than Karan Butler in 2002, uh, you know, a top 10 pick, a great player, a guy who slipped in the draft. He was supposed to be a top five player. And, you know, he traded him right away for Shaquille O'Neal when O'Neal expressed interest in leaving the Los Angeles Lakers. So I, I think that's been... You know, just that's been the tone since Pat Riley joined the team in 1995. Look, their best player, an all-star in here. Well, he wasn't an all-star here, but he wound up being one in Charlotte. Glenn Rice, he got traded for Alonzo Mourning right away. And that has been pretty consistent as far as Riley's MO. I think I think there's the hope that that Hero is a burgeoning all-star, or at least will be somewhere down the line. But even look, you look at Beal's production over the course of his career and an all-star selection isn't a guarantee. So if that's the case, I'm not sure that you can hang on to a player like Hero. But the overall point is I'm pretty sure Riley would be happy to include Hero in a deal if it's going to get you a player like Bradley Beal because, you know, Hero 21, Beal 27. Yeah, a huge age gap there, but not that significant because you're getting a proven player as opposed to the potential of Tyler Hero. Now, it's regarding other players like Duncan Robinson, who stretches the floor as well as anybody, although recently has struggled pretty mightily, much to the chagrin of Heat fans. Uh, there's also this year's draft pick, Precious Achua, who's turned into sort of a bam at a bio light because he provides energy and rebounding and can you know roll to the rim pretty effectively. So there's hope that he might turn into a really good player, although he's you know just 20 years old right now. There's a lot of potential there. But what would you want in a package for for Beal? Uh, was it draft picks? Was it, you know, young players? Is it proven veterans or is it just something, you know, salary cap filler? I doubt it's the latter. Yeah. I mean, if we talked two years ago or even a year and a half ago, I would have liked Bam Adebayo. And I think <laughs> that would have been more realistic, but now obviously it's a non-starter. You need those three players together. If you were to land Beal and have him paired up with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but now Precious Achua, I think you mentioned in, in the similar realm there. I know the Wizards are really high on him. They had Onyeka Kongwu high on their, on their draft board and they were going to pick him if he was there. And Precious Achua was also really high on their draft board. He worked out with the team twice, if I remember correctly. Um, but then he Abdiya slipped and they couldn't pass on him. He was high on their boards as well. So I know for a fact they really like his game. He fits a need for them. Uh, they're, they're historically one of the worst defensive teams ever. Achua helps there. He helps with rebounding. They're also struggling in that capacity. So uh, that's a player I think they'd, they'd want included in the package. And, and look, having a veteran or two thrown in there, Kendrick Nunn, who I think they'd probably be high on, a player who can mm. eventually replace the Russell Westbrook at the point guard position, a player you could probably count on long-term to be a consistent, reliable point guard. That's someone That's someone that they'd probably consider getting as well. But a hero, a Chua, Nunn package with some picks, I think, and, and maybe you have a conversation with the Wizards. But other teams can throw together some interesting packages as well. So uh, the Heat are going to have plenty of competition there. 
Well, let's talk about that. What what team kind of stands out to you as the best suitor? I've seen the uh, Nuggets being ranked as the number one because they have a, a, a you know commu- accumulation of players and picks that they could throw at Washington. Uh, you know, the Sixers are right up there. If they should include Ben Simmons, I don't know how likely that is, although it seems pretty likely, I guess, if you're you're getting a, a playmaker like Beal to kind of replace what he can do there. Uh, you know, the other teams, the Celtics, the Warriors, any, anybody stand out in particular? Denver stands out for other reasons. Um, Tim Connolly and Tommy Shepard have a relationship that dates for years. Their assistant coaches have coached for the opposing teams. They have a really strong connection there. I think if Denver called, I think Tommy Shepard would listen. They have some interesting pieces there with Michael Porter Jr., Bol Bol, Gary Harris. It's a pretty solid package. A team that I haven't really seen in the rumors that I'd be interested in is Atlanta. I know it's kind of an unwritten rule to trade within your division, but Atlanta kind of has some really, really interesting young players there that would spark my interest. I mean, Kevin Herter uh, could be a very good starter long-term. Cam Radish, I know the team was high on. Um, uh, John Collins has expressed some sort of uh, discomfort with how he's fitting with the team, but he has all star potential as well. Onyekong Kongwu, who I mentioned uh, earlier, that the Wizards were really high on. So if you can kind of put together two, three of those players with maybe a draft pick or two, uh, Atlanta could put together a really interesting package. But again, I'm not sure Tommy Shepard or the Wizards owner Ted Leonsis would be interested in trading Bradley Beal within the, within the division. But um, at some point, I think they have to make sure that they're getting the most return. And of the teams mentioned, I'd probably rank Atlanta first. Um, Miami second and Denver third just because I don't I don't think I'm as high on Michael Porter Jr. as everyone else interesting interesting yeah I I you know I, I thought about the divisional rule but I, I'm trying to go back I can't actually recall a deal Miami's made with Washington in the past so maybe maybe that is something that the uh, Leonsis is thinking about there I, I mean I, I can't can you recall a deal between Miami and Washington at any point in time no I I, re- I really can't to be honest with you um Again, I, I think this is these sort of unwritten rules and all this nonsense. You have to throw out the window when you're trading a player like Bradley Beal. Again, you have to make sure that you're getting the most, uh, the biggest bang for your buck, so to speak, because um, not often do you trade a player like him, not often do you get a player like him. So if you're going to trade a player like him and you can get the most assets in return from Miami, I mean, that's something you have to do. Um, and it's something that could really come back to bite him because they had a chance to trade Bradley Beal years ago during his rookie year for James Harden, back when James Harden was in Oklahoma City and and Ted Leonsis said, under no circumstances shall we do that. And that really obviously bit them in the butt. So if Tyler Hero can play, you know, even as 70% of James Harden's level, which is obviously absurd, then that's something that would probably bite them in the butt just because you're, you know, what, you didn't trade Bradley Beal for Tyler Hero just because he's in the same division? Seems pretty absurd. So hopefully they consider all the options, regardless of what team is you know, putting it out there. So what's your what's your take on Hero from the outsider's perspective? I, I've loved Tyler Hero since Summer League, honestly. I mean, you don't find a player like him with his confidence at, at his age. It's very rare. I mean, it's kind of a uh, – and you can't really quantify that. I know it's kind of like a corny thing to talk about, but I really think it matters. We've seen it with Rui Achimura in Washington where you know, he's a very talented player. Uh, he's very polished for a, for a second-year player, but – he lacks sort of the confidence that Tyler Hero has. And I wonder, you know, how good could Rui Hachimura be if he had Tyler Hero's confidence? I mean, I think he'd be really, really good and a lot better than he is currently. Uh, and Tyler 
Hero has that sort of swag. And look, it, he backs it up with, with the style of play. I love his skill set in terms of where the league is going with his shooting and his playmaking and his confidence. I mean, players like that become franchise players. So if you're going to trade Bradley Beal, you need to make sure that you're getting at least one young player that you could potentially turn into a franchise player. And Tyler Hero is that sort of player, I think. So uh, it makes perfect sense for me. And honestly, from another personal perspective, it would be nice to see Bradley Beal in a situation where you know, he's not carrying the load 100% of the time. He's winning basketball games. His defense is uh, actually translating and, and you know, he, he can actually play defense because he's not exhausted constantly off on offense. So I, I would love to see him in Miami. Um, look, nobody, nobody would hate uh, to see Bradley Beal in a winning situation. And, and certainly nobody would hate him if that, if that was his primary destination. So you mentioned his defense, because I know that's been long uh, criticized, but you've, your feeling is that he can play defense well if he didn't have to exert himself so much offensively? I think that's, I mean, right, That's that seems to be logical. And it's also, you're only as good as your surrounding cast, right? right. If you put Jimmy Butler on the Washington Wizards, how could it, how good are the Wizards defensively? Probably not much better. I mean, they're better, but they're not that much better. Look, you're right. depending on Robin Lopez, who can barely jump over, you know, right. a telephone paper, book. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and you have Isak Bonga, who's supposedly your best perimeter defender. And, you know, honestly, he's probably not getting any minutes on a winning team. So... This team isn't built to play defense, so you can't ask Bradley Beal to score 40 points a game and then also be your best defender. Just seems illogical. Unless you're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, it seems like something that's impossible to you know, ask these players to do. So I don't think – Bradley Beal has shown to be a competent defender. He's not an all-world defender by any means, but he's certainly not a bad one. So if, if you put him in a team like Miami, you certainly won't be suffering defensively. So what is the likelihood that Beal gets traded in season? Because I know a lot of the talk is that maybe they'll potentially wait until the offseason. I don't know that you can afford to wait that long if you kind of just realize what everybody else seems to realize, which is, you know, it's time to make the move now. Uh, what's your sense? I mean, this is a franchise that's been historically stubborn about making moves like this, and it's cost them a lot. Uh, is Shepard progressive enough to finally pull the trigger on a, on a Beal trade? I think it's inevitable where they'll at least sit down and talk about it because the season isn't going to turn around anytime soon. We're 14 games in there at three and 11 worst record in the NBA. It's not getting better anytime soon. Russell Westbrook probably isn't going to get out of this funk anytime soon. It'll take a miracle for them to start winning games. Um, so I think it's probably at like a 70% chance it gets traded this season. And if not in season, certainly during the off season, I just can't see a situation in which he sees this thing through with the Washington wizards. I mean, he gave him, he signed that contract extension and gave him time to figure it out. He obviously tried their best and it didn't work out. So it might be time to move on. And um, we're probably enjoying the last of Bradley Beal in Washington. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great way to end it. But I wanted one more question for me. Kelly Olenek, if I have to include him in a deal in order to fill out the salary, uh, would he be appreciated in Washington considering his run-in with Kelly Oubre a few years ago that it seems like Wizards fans just can't seem to let go? See, that's not even the thing that got him. It was the fact that he turned into Larry Bird in that game seven in the semifinals against the Celtics. So <laughs> that that would, I think, make it difficult for the Wizards to appreciate him. But look, any Wizards killer adding to the Wizards, normally they see a decline. We saw that with Jeff Green, so it wouldn't be different in here such that's just the wizard's curse but look kelly lennox probably would probably be the second best player on the wizard's roster right now if he was healthy so <laughs> that's sad uh anyway uh ben thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show P uh, please let my listeners know where they can follow you and your work and feel free to plug anything that you've got going on thanks so much david I, I really appreciate you for having me on you can follow me at ben mehich nba on twitter listen to lockdown wizards we'll obviously have more talk on bradley beal um, and the trade, I think, is incoming. So if you need more details and more analysis on that, we definitely have you covered. 
On the Rejecting the Screen podcast feed right now, hosts Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov are honoring Kobe Bryant's life and career with a two-part special podcast event. Hear stories you haven't heard anywhere else about Kobe from teammates, opponents, coaches, and journalists. Get both parts by subscribing to the Rejecting the Screen podcast feed. After this podcast, make sure you get your team every day just by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat. I'm David Rommel, signing off and thanking you as always for your support. Oh.